Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I want to talk about children. Children are one of God's many gifts to parents. And as parents, we have the responsibility and the privilege to guide them into a practically biblical experience of knowing and loving God. It is one of our highest honors to be able to cooperate with the Lord in leading our children to Him while asking Him to grant the gift of repentance. We can't save our children as every parent would love to. We wished we could, but we can't do that. But what we can do is we can cooperate with God in this great experience of parenting. There is really not an analogy. There's nothing like it. It is special. I've said many times to my children, I just want to freeze frame you all right now at this age, at this point in time. I just love the experience, but they will not listen to me. They keep getting older. They keep getting taller, and they are developing their own unique lives, and we have to let them go And that's okay, ultimately. I am okay with that. But being a parent is, it's really hard to describe. And unless you are a parent, then you know. And so I want to talk about in this podcast what our responsibility is and how we are really impactful influencers in our children's lives. And if we don't cooperate well, well, we can send our children in a bad direction. And so I titled this podcast, One Reason Children Rebel Against Their Parents. Now, there may may be many reasons that a child will rebel against their parents, but I want to talk about one specific reason in this podcast. One reason children rebel against their parents, I have some other articles here if you want to do more research uh, on this idea of parenting. I also have an infographic that I can't show you in the podcast, but I'm going to try to describe it to you, and I hope it will be instructive. But if you want this infographic, then please, by all means, go to this article and get it, and you can use it. I would encourage you to use it in your teaching. Before I get into the podcast, I do have a major announcement, maybe the biggest announcement of our ministry. We have signed the contract and we are going to build a new cyber center, a new cyber sanctification center. We're at the place where we just can't put it off any longer. The traffic, the requests, the busyness of this place it has it's been hard for the past couple of years. It really has. It has been a challenge. Uh, all of our statistical categories are up. Our student body is larger than ever. Our traffic is as large as ever. The requests continue to come in. We added a new feature at the first of this year called Live Chat. And so that keeps us busy as we're interacting with the public as they come and, and talk to us in a live way. And of course, the forums have been super busy. Uh, It is a busy place. And so we have been praying about this for a long time, and we don't do anything in this ministry impulsively. But we, we are at the place where we have no choice but to 
basically implode this website and build it up again from scratch so that we uh, have greater expandability. I won't get into all of the technical aspects of our current site, but I'll just say that there are a lot of baked-in coding here, and we are limited in how we can expand and what we can do, and the wisest and the best thing after lots of research and lots of consultation is for us to build a new site and so we are doing that we're not doing a fundraiser and so we'll not be asking you for money but if you want to contribute we we're not going to turn you away and so without doing a fundraiser i'll let you know what we are doing and the cost is twenty five thousand dollars to build this new sanctification center And if you have any questions about that, I would love to engage you about it. You can go to our forums and ask those questions. And also, if you want to give, please do that because it it is, uh, our website is the hub. It is the center of everything. We don't have brick and mortar facilities. We have no offices in the traditional sense of offices. We all work out of our homes. And we have really made use of the redemptive use of technology. And so from an overhead business perspective, uh, we uh, have a low overhead. But there is overhead, and there are costs that are involved. And so if you want to help, we're not going to turn you away. But I want you to know that hopefully, Lord willing, within the next six months, our new sanctification center will not only be off the ground, but we will launch it. And and once we do that, I have a lot of other ideas that I can't implement now, but I will be able to implement at that point once we are in a place to where we can expand. God has been so good to us. He's been crazy kind to us. And uh, I, honestly, I just pinch myself sometimes thinking about what we get to do on a day-in and day-out basis. It is a phenomenal uh, responsibility is a phenomenal job, and I'm grateful to be able to serve the body of Christ the way that we do. And I thank the Lord for the team that He has given us, and the resources, and even the fact that we we can launch in such a huge project like this, the biggest of our ministry, and it's really going to set us up for the future. And so I'm quite excited about it, and I wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Now let's get back to parenting. One reason children rebel against their parents. Though our children are born with a limited God awareness, we still must cooperate with the Lord in the process of connecting their innate awareness of Him in real, practical, and mature ways that ultimately lead to their salvation. Now, when I say that children have a limited God awareness, awareness I'm talking about Romans 1:20 chapter 1 verse 20 where we get this theological concept of general revelation children do not know God specifically because you learn God specifically through inspiration through the inspired word is what I mean special revelation is what I'm trying to say But even without special revelation, they have a limited God awareness, as Paul talked about in Romans 1.20. 
And even though they have that, we still have a responsibility as parents to cooperate with God in the process of connecting that innate awareness. We want to connect this sense of God that they that comes in their Adamic package. We want to connect it with the true and living God while all along asking God to grant the gift of repentance so that this person, this child can be born again. We can't save them. That's not what we do but we can't be passive in this idea of parenting children spiritually. Now, I have a graphic here, and I'm just going to walk through the graphic the best that I can. And again, if you want to look at it, I would encourage you to do that. And so one aspect that, I communicate, that I'm communicating in this graphic, one is that children are born in the image of God. They are born in God's image, and that is important, uh, meaning that there are communicable attributes that God gives us. Part of what it means to be born in the image of God is God is love. Children have a capacity to love. God is kind. God is uh, a spiritual being. God is a communicator. Uh, God is many things that we have as humans, we are unique, and so everybody comes, and and as I said earlier, and a limited God awareness, and so children are born in the image of God, which is a profound concept to, to think about, but these kids are also born in Adam, and so they're not only born in the image of God, but they're born in Adam, meaning that they are totally depraved. They are not what they should be. They are not what they could be. I don't know if you remember many decades ago now, uh, there was a video game called Pac-Man, and that was the game when I was a child, and they may have that now, I'm not sure, but let's just say video gaming has uh, evolved <laughs> since I was a, a young man, a teenager. But Pac-Man, you could think of it like a circle with a missing piece, a pie with a, a slice of pie out of it. And that is the way a child comes into the world. They're not complete. They're not whole. They have a missing piece. They are born in the image of God, but they are fallen. They are incomplete. They are broken. And as you try to roll this sphere along, well, there's a missing piece, and so it just clunks along. It doesn't roll well because it's not a complete circle. And that's how children roll in life. They're clunky. They're missing a piece. And so a parent's responsibility is to cooperate with the Lord, leading the child to the Lord's salvation, which, again, only God can grant, only God can provide. We can't provide that, but we can lead a child to the door, so to speak. Now, if you do that then this child will have the possibility of being complete, being whole, 
Paul talked about this in Colossians 1.28, that we teach every person and admonish every person so that they may be complete in Christ is one of the uh, accurate translations of that word, to be complete. And so good parents do that. They don't get in the way. But we also know that there are poor parenting models. And if, if the parents aren't doing their job well, meaning if they're not doing their job biblically, there can be a regressive effect. Think about it this way. You have a, 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 a pie, a whole pie, and then there's a missing piece, meaning we are fallen, adamically, but then the parents come along, and, and what I mean by a regressive effect, they take another piece out. So now, instead of closing this gap, and instead of closing this circle, filling in the circle and leading them to Christ, the circle widens. It gets farther and farther apart. Uh, they are now the child is not only complicated by Adamic fallenness, but now they are complicated by the shaping influences, the adverse shaping influences of the parents, either one of the parents. Now, in many cases like this, where the child becomes 15 years old, so to speak, and is a rebellious teenager. I've said this myself. Many of you know my story that I was in jail when I was 15 years old. And so I came into the world clunky, missing a piece. But by the time I was 15 years old, that gap had widened. I was worse off at 15 than when I came into the world at zero. Now, I don't want you to hear that I'm blaming my parents because I was more dysfunctional at 15 than I was at zero, I'm not. Uh, by the mercy of God and grace of God, I've worked through that, and I don't put the blame on them as, as though the reason I was in jail was because of them or the reason I smoked weed or whatever it is that I did that was wrong and evil. It was not their fault. It was my fault. I made the decisions. Ultimately, I was the decision, making, a de decision maker. I was in charge. But my point here is, is that I was worse off in 15 years because of one, Adamic fallenness, that's how I came into the world, and two, the shaping influence of my influences of my parents who did not follow God. And so in many cases, a dysfunctional child like me or a young lady, after they become adults, what they will do is they'll, des they'll desire a spouse as a means to a better life rather than pursuing God. This is what I mean by this. This is what happens a dysfunctional teenager will look for someone to, and it's been said this way, to fill their love cup to fill them up, to make them feel whole again. That's what is really going on, though none of them will would articulate it this way. They feel an emptiness inside. They feel an incompleteness inside. And God is the only one that can fully satisfy. God is the only one that can fully close this will and make them absolutely complete. But if you're a dysfunctional young person, 
typically the dysfunctional young person doesn't think about it that way. Oh, my real issue is, is I need God in my life. I need God to come and give me the contentment that I long for. No, what they do many times is they go out and find other things. These are false things that they look for to make them feel better about themselves. Of course, this wrongly motivated choice or wrongly motivated choices, it only exacerbates this long-standing dysfunction that they have in their lives. And parents need to know this. And so you have a child that's born in this world. They are incomplete. They are missing a piece. You don't want to make it worse to where they're missing another piece and then another And then this child is motivated wrongly to go out thinking that the thing that will make them happy will be, let's say, a relationship. Let me tell you how that relationship is probably going to go. This incomplete person is going to have an expectation that the person that they marry is going to fill them up going to make them whole again, going to not only finish my sentences, but it's going to bring completeness in me. Guess what? You're marrying a sinner. You're marrying a... What you really have in that case is idolatry. That person is becoming your functional God, little G-O-D. And let me let you in on a secret. It will not be a cooperative God. It will be a disappointing God. And what will happen in five years, 10 years, 15 years, that gap that you had will become even wider after you are married and you're in a dysfunctional marriage where you're hurting each other. The impact we have on our children is powerful because we are the earliest and most profound influencers on them. As they grow up in the context of our care, Whether that care is good or bad, they are affected by our attitudes, by our words, and by our actions. We parents are the most profound influencers on a young child's life. We can make that gap wider or we can cooperate with the Lord to help close that gap, praying for the day that that child will be regenerated born a second time, what we do to them does become the shaping influences that will either that they will either imitate, hey, I want to be like you because you are godly, or they're going to reject them. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so our goal is to export to them. We are in the exportation business. We are exporting the practical gospel, shipping it out to another individual, a child, as much as we can. We want to export Christocentric attitudes, Christocentric words, Christocentric actions. Can you imagine the profound impact? that that could have on a young child's life who comes in Adamic, broken, fallen, feeling guilt, shame, fear, temptations to anger, and they have this sobering influence of you exporting Christocentric attitudes, words, and actions. 
though no good or bad parent can make a child righteous or unrighteous. We are called to cooperate with the Lord in the salvation of the child by, number one, modeling the life of Christ before them. They need a living, breathing example, practical example of what Christ looks like. It doesn't mean grow your hair out long and grow a beard, wear a toga and sandals. No, they need to see another picture. And again, I caveat this by saying that a good parent cannot make a child righteous and a bad parent, and bad parents need to hear this because there are many parents that are living under this cloud of guilt because they look in the rearview mirror and they realize, oh, if I'd only done this, if i only done that. That's called legalism, by the way. If I had done this, they would have become that. No, if your child becomes saved, it will be the grace of God. It will be them uniquely interacting with God and God choosing to pour out His grace and mercy, His regenerative power on that child. Now, I'm not asking you to be a bad parent because you don't make them unrighteous. No, we don't want to presume on God's grace. But ultimately, a good parent doesn't make good kids and a bad parent doesn't make bad kids. But we are called to cooperate with the Lord in the salvation of the child. One, by presenting Christ to them in practical ways. And then number two teaching them everything that he taught us. You remember that passage of Scripture, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It's called the Great Commission. You are now exporting the Great Commission by the life that you live, that you present to them, and the words that you say, how you teach them. If we are not presenting the life of Christ to our children, the chances of them rejecting God by the time that they become teenagers is exponentially higher than parents who humbly present Jesus to their children while they are young. Thinking about children, fear is typically the first evidence that you will see in a child who is in the early stages of rejecting their parents. Let's suppose a parent has a pattern of any of the following traits. I want to share with you seven or so traits, and I want you to think about them. Now, let's suppose that a parent has any of these following traits. These are not episodes. I'm not talking about episodic traits, but I'm talking about a pattern that is in the parent's life. Let me give you the traits that I'm talking about. A distant parent, not one who is distant every now and then, but one who has a pattern of being distant. An angry parent, an abusive parent, a critical parent, a divorced parent, a preoccupied parent, an impatient parent. Those are some characteristics that can happen to parents, whether it's their own choosing or things that happen to them, like being divorced. If there is a consistency of any of these patterns in either or both of the parents, the chances of the child's fear having a mental stronghold is much higher than a child living in a loving and safe home. 
You see, part of what it means, as I said earlier, being born in Adam is that we struggle with fear. That is part of the brokenness that I, that I mentioned in the graphic that I was describing to you. That's part of the missing piece, P-I-E-C-E. And part of the missing piece means that they don't have peace. They don't have shalom, that they are tempted to anxiety and worry and fear. Now, you couple this pre-existing condition in every human's life, in every child's life, fear. That's the pre-existing condition. Now, you couple that or layer on top of that any of these characteristics from a parent, distant, angry, abusive, critical, divorce, preoccupied parent, or an impatient parent. Being born in Adam is to be taken with fear. Being fearful is part of our Adamic wiring because that is what came upon Adam after he chose to sin in the Garden of Eden. Fearful people beget fearful people, and we came out of Adam. Younger children crave security in the family community. Now, if they do not find it, when they become older, what will they do? They will seek a safer community outside of the family community. When a parent exacerbates the fear of a child, the fear that comes with the package of the child through any of the behaviors that I outlined, the child will be compelled to find security, safety. They crave through other means. This reaction is one of the primary reasons a teen begins to distance himself from his parents. He is looking for an accepting, approving, and loving community. Parents have the responsibility through their attitudes, their words, and their behaviors to lead their children to God. To fail in this is to stir up an Adamic fear that could push them farther from God. You'll find a simple biblical template to model for your children in the Fruit of the Spirit constellation that you see in Galatians 5.22. There are nine elements there, and they give you a snapshot of what Christ was like and how you should be to your children. And so as I talk about, we want to cooperate with the Lord and be in a positive shaping influence for our children, then what is the template? What are the things that we should model to our children? I want you to think about this template for Christ's likeness. And I would love for you, as I mention these things to you that are quite familiar to you, I imagine, but how are you doing and how do you need to change in any of these characteristics of Christ? Now, you can preface each Christ trait with this question. Are my children experiencing the fill in the blank of Christ through me? And so here's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's the question. Are my children experiencing the love of Christ through me? Are my children experiencing the joy of Christ through me? Are my children experiencing the peace of Christ, patience of Christ? Are my children experiencing the kindness of Christ, the goodness of Christ? Are my children experiencing the faithfulness of Christ, the gentleness of Christ? Are my children experiencing the self-control of Christ through me? Though you cannot save your children, or make them holy. You can choose 
to not complicate their lives further by giving them the clearest possible picture of Jesus. The title of this podcast and the article that's on our website, One Reason Children Rebel Against Their Parents. And that reason is we do not export these Christocentric attitudes, words, and behaviors to our children well. Here's your call to action. I have a couple questions for you to think about. Number one, how will you respond to this practical teaching? How will you respond to this podcast? One way, or here's a few suggestions. One way is that you can get the article from the website and read it carefully, and I have a lot of verses that are embedded here, and you can interact with these verses. Another way is you can write down the fruit of the Spirit, the love of Christ, joy of Christ, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the self-control of Christ, those nine things, and you can assess yourself on all nine of them. How are you doing with them And then another way is, will you share your thoughts with a competent Christian friend who will speak the truth with love to you? And so you take your notes, your journal notes. If you're not a journaler, it doesn't matter. Take your thoughts. Send this link, this podcast, uh, this article link to your friend. Show them this graphic. Have them read through it. And say, hey, I'm just not doing well on this and I need some help. Will you help me? As I look at myself in the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit, I see three, four, five areas that I'm falling down on and I just need somebody to come alongside me to help me so that I can stop falling down in these areas. Now, if you want to talk further about this, I would love to do that with you. You can come to our website you come to our current sanctification center and we would love to engage you fill out your username and password is free of charge Uh, we'll share what advice we have we'll share what resources we have and we will try to help you in your journey with christ and if you are a parent with your journey with your children thank you so much for listening Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.